we are told here in verse 25 that he is looking for the consolation of Israel. Of all the things that Simeon could have been looking for, he's looking for the right thing. He isn't looking necessarily in in terms of what many others were looking for. They were looking for a political and military leader, a, a, a liberator. Simeon's looking for more than that. He's looking for the absolute fulfillment of the covenant promises made to Israel. Today on the Songtime broadcast, we are continuing the Christmas story as we look at Luke chapter 2. And Al Mohler takes us to the stories of Simeon and Anna, who give us an insight on the promise that God rewards those who diligently seek him. Stay tuned for that. But first, we'll be joined by a scholar, a New Testament scholar, Dr. Benjamin Glad, as he helps us to frame this new year and our study throughout the rest of the Gospel of Luke. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. I want to wish everyone a happy new year this weekend. It's odd that it falls on the weekend, and yet uh, I hope that you are making an effort to get to your church on Sunday morning. Don't stay up too late, and don't ruin your Sunday morning as we want to gather together and worship God especially as we continue in the Christmas spirit. It is still the 12 days of Christmas, and we are still celebrating, although we will save you the Christmas carols. I'm sure you're already tired of hearing those. We want to continue in the Christmas narrative and tell the story of Christmas from the Gospel of Luke. Stay tuned for that ahead in the broadcast. But first, we're going to start by laying out where we're going to be going over the course of this new year. We're going to be studying for the first several months the Gospel of Luke, and then later on in the year looking at the book of Acts as the two written by Luke are actually really considered one book, or at least one volume, volume one, volume two, connecting the story of Jesus Christ and the advancement of his mission and his church here on earth. It's going to be a great study to start off this year. We're joined by Dr. Benjamin Glad, who is a scholar of the New Testament and the author of a new book called From the Manger to the Throne, A Theology of Luke. And Benjamin, one of the things that I think is so unique about the Gospel of Luke is that he names names, even very insignificant characters, that, at least what we would consider insignificant, uh, to Zacchaeus, Simeon, or Anna, as we'll talk about uh, later today. These stories actually are pretty unique in Luke's Gospel that give us a greater layer of narrative. But why include these stories and why name names? It seems that Luke is giving us in a very apologetic as well as a structural account of the the story of Jesus. Yes, that's correct. Um, Richard Bauckham argues, he argued a long a long time ago, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, uh, he has this wonderful book called Jesus and the Eyewitnesses. And in that, he's kind of building off other, other studies, but in that he realizes that, or he recognizes that there are, there's an entire group of individuals in the Gospels, in all four Gospels, who should not be named. For example, Zacchaeus. Let's just go back to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, now, all of a sudden, I mean, he is a, he's a fairly important figure in, in Luke, but why is he named? He's, not, he's, he's probably not publicly known, at least outside of his circles. Or Zacchaeus, we also have outside of Luke. Um, or let's say uh, Anna the prophetess, or Simeon, these other characters, we have, they are named. Where on the other hand, we've got a whole slew of characters 
who are unnamed. And so scholars have tried to figure out why do we get some names and not other names? And so what Bauckham argues, and I think he's very good here, he says, the reason why we get names is because that's where the evangelists got their source material from. <clears throat> Luke interviewed Zacchaeus. Luke may have interviewed Anna, obviously not Simeon because Simeon was dead, but maybe, but likely uh, Mary and Joseph could have told that narrative to you know a variety of people. Whatever. In other words, in other words, the gospel writers are showing you the the sources of their material, and it was possible that uh, the, that those maybe even some of the first readers of the gospels could have gone back and Bachum talks about this have. It would have been possible to go back and to hunt down Zacchaeus and say, Zacchaeus, tell us about your encounter with the risen with with the Lord at that time. So these are kinds of the the, the kinds of things that really stand out in the gospels once you start to read them rightly. Mm. I think about how significant that narrative is that there were eyewitness accounts. And uh, we obviously can't go back uh, 2,000 years and talk to these individuals, but we're given them in record form. That's what Luke is committed to. But even in the epistles, I'm thinking of uh, 1 Corinthians 15 or even 1 John, where John is talking about having touched and been there and been with Jesus as a reassurance to those who would come after, uh, the sort of the descendants of Thomas and some that, that believe without seeing are reassured by the witnesses and their accounts. That's correct. You know, Adam, it, it, this is a remarkable thing. In fact, we we bank our, our salvation on this very line of reasoning. Jesus did not write any books. I mean, theologically, he wrote them all. I get it. But but <laughs> he, he, he did not author any books physically. So instead, we get accounts by those who testified about him, who testified, who saw him, who interacted with him. And we also have accounts specifically here of now Luke and Mark and the author of Hebrews. There will be these, these three books. They are associates of the apostles. So you really have a whole cluster. In fact, we have two books, James and Jude, that are written by Jesus's relatives. So you put all of the data together and it runs something like this. Those who saw Jesus, those who interacted with him and experienced him while he was on the earth uh, or those who are associated with those who did, they wrote about him. In fact, we trust our salvation that what they did when they testified about Jesus, that they were right, that they were accurate and that they bore and that they still do bear a hundred percent accurate witness. In other words, our salvation lies in their testimony. And that's a really, really important point that Paul, he bore witness to the risen Christ on the Damascus Road. He is commissioned. So what Paul says is true, and Paul needs to be accurate about that as well. So do you see this whole line of this, this, the entire New Testament is based upon something very fundamental, and that is testifying to the risen Christ. And as far as an apologetic goes, that's one of the most compelling arguments to the the uh, truth of the claims of Christianity, that Christ actually did die, that he was buried, and that he rose again, because there were so many eyewitness accounts, and they died, they were persecuted for their faith, 
And Luke's testimony, having followed the Apostle Paul, I can say that he probably saw the value of that witness, of the veracity of those claims that really rang true amongst the those believers in the various regions that would never have been able to go travel and, and meet the first, first witnesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, could you imagine uh, even listening to Paul unpack the Old Testament? And it may have been even Paul, some of, may perhaps even some of Paul's insights where Luke learned some of those same insights too. So that when he told his story of Christ that he was like, okay, Paul showed me, kind of Paul put his finger on on here I'm in, and I'm going to do the same or he could, that could have very well have happened. We've been talking with Dr. Benjamin Glad today about his book called From the Manger to the Throne, A Theology of Luke. It's an excellent resource. In fact, we only uh, talk about excellent resources here on the Songtime Broadcast because we want to make you aware of, of books that will actually help you grow in your understanding of the Word of God and your Christian walk. This book is an excellent resource because it'll frame out for us how to understand the Gospel of Luke and apply it to our lives on a daily basis. We don't just pick deep theological books. That's not our goal here to get books that are inaccessible to you, our listeners, but really to find books that are doctrinal and sound, but also are accessible to to any reader to help them in their walk with Christ. This is a great resource and one we would love to make available to you as a thank you for your support to the Songtime Ministry. Find out more information by giving us a call. It's 508-362-7070. Well, today we're continuing our study, looking at the Christmas story, in particular the narrative here in Luke chapter 2. In this story with Simeon and Anna, in the second half, we'll unpack a lesson of what it truly means that God rewards those who diligently seek Him. Here is a closer look with Al Mohler at Luke chapter 2. In verse 25, we read, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, in a sense, everyone's looking for something. We may look to the future with dread. We may look to the future with anticipation. We may look to the future with despair or look to the future with hope. But we are looking for something to take place. In this case, we are told that Simeon was looking for the consolation of Israel. Now, the consolation of Israel is a very interesting compound because the word console means to us to to bring about some kind of, of effort to minimize grief or loss. When we console a friend, we, we come to them and, and we, we come alongside them and we, we grieve with them. This is empathy. But consolation in terms of this Covenantal context is far more than that. It means the making of things right. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to look at someone who would experience a tremendous loss and say, I'm not only going to be alongside you to empathize, I'm going to make that which was wrong right. Well, that's what Simeon's looking for. Simeon is not just looking for consolation in the sense of someone who would come alongside and sympathize. He is looking for consolation in, in terms of being genuinely consoled, which means the grief removed. Now, this one who has come, this baby who has just been born in Bethlehem, is now going to be identified as the consolation of Israel. This baby, and just think about what eyes of faith are required to see this. This is an infant. Can you imagine being shown a baby? And, you know, your first inclination is to say, how cute, what a gift, how precious. But what about looking at a baby and saying, here is the one who makes history right. 
That's what Simeon is going to say. We are told here in verse 25 that he is looking for the consolation of Israel. Of all the things that Simeon could have been looking for, he's looking for the right thing. He isn't looking necessarily in, in terms of what many others were looking for. They were looking for a political and military leader, a, a, a liberator. Simeon's looking for more than that. He's looking for the absolute fulfillment of the covenant promises made to Israel. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now imagine then that he must have been looking every day, scanning the crowd there at the temple to see if he spotted the one who was to be the consolation of Israel. Now, we are not actually told, in this case, that he was looking for a child. We're just told that he was looking because the Holy Spirit had revealed that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. Now, I don't know about you, but if if I were in his position and I had been told that, and I would be scanning every day to see if indeed my eyes were to fall upon the Lord's anointed one, I might not, indeed probably would not, first think to look to a child, much less an eight-day-old baby. But that's exactly what happens as we continue in this text. In verse 27, he came in the Spirit into the temple. So in other words, again, this is Matthew helping us to see by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is the revealer. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, in my own imagination, I would like to to see what took place here. I, I I would like to see the moment of recognition and the face of Simeon when he recognizes that all of a sudden he is face to face with the Messiah. Imagine that all of history now coming to a culmination. It's as if all of the years and the centuries and the days have been coming down to this one apex moment when all of a sudden history now is clarified and it's clarified in a face, it's clarified in a person, it's clarified in an infant. And Simeon, who has had this knowledge revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, who is now being led by the Spirit into the temple, comes face to face with the one who is himself incarnate, the fulfillment of all biblical prophecy. But the declaration is made in the form of a prayer. He speaks to the Lord. Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. That sentence makes sense only over against the promise that had been made to Simeon that indeed he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now he knows this. The the statement made in verse 29 is the statement that indicates he knows exactly the identity of this child that he has taken into his arms. And as he, he holds this child up in his arms, he prays, I can now die because I have seen the fulfillment of your promises. According to your word, according to your promise, I have now seen your salvation. This is a salvation in verse 31, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. The covenant promises to Israel were not for Israel alone. They were for Israel specifically. But the covenant promises to Israel were to be through Israel to all the peoples of the earth. This is not merely the consolation of Israel. He's been looking for the consolation of Israel, but this is the baby who is now going to be the light of revelation to the Gentiles, the glory of your people Israel, he says to the Lord. In verse 36, we meet Anna, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. 
serving night and day with, with fastings and prayers. So her service to the, to the nation of Israel was by serving as a prophetess within the temple. And you'll notice that she served basically by fasting. And uh, she also prayed, and that, is, that was her ministry. And she served night and day. She never left the temple. At that very moment, we assume that is the moment when now Simeon is holding the child. The very moment she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So here you have looking again. You had Simeon who was looking for the consolation of Israel. Now you have Anna speaking to all those who are looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Again, you have the prophecies that were given to Israel, prophecies that Israel yearns to see, longs to see, because of the oppression they experience, because of of Rome's rule, and because of, of all the indignities they had suffered, because... The Davidic line has been, has been broken, and, and it appears that they've been cut off from their promises. They're looking for the consolation of Israel. They're looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And now Anna obviously sees in this baby what Simeon sees, and that is the fulfillment of all that God had promised. You look at both Simeon and Anna, and we are reminded that we are all looking for something. And the reality is that a part of what concerns us spiritually is that we recognize that around us are millions and millions of people, teeming masses, who are looking for all the wrong things. We have here in Luke chapter 2 the example of, of two, a man and a woman, Simeon and Anna, who are looking for the most important thing, and they didn't miss it. We're not told that they were particularly wise. We are told that in the case of Simeon, that he was righteous and devout, and in the case of Anna, that she, of course, here was so devout that she never left the temple and was faithful in serving as a prophetess. What we have here is a picture in Simeon and in Anna of the recognition of the identity of the Christ and the recognition that all of history has now come together in this moment, in time and space and history, in this child. Now, again, I ask you, What kind of faith does it take to look at a child and see all that? It takes the faith of one who understands that God is absolutely faithful to his promises. And his promises are this child. The key to understanding the Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke, and we're looking at Luke chapter 2, it's broken up into two separate parts. The Christmas story, the, the announcement of the birth of Jesus, is told first to the shepherds who were watching the fields over the, the flock at night. Uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the second half talks about Simeon and Anna, their stories that are tying these two together. The theme or the narrative that ties these two stories together is actually Mary. It says that after she heard all of these things from the shepherds, and then after she experienced all of these things in the temple with Simeon and Luke, that she she stored all of these things up in her heart. She treasured them and pondered them. And here is the The key to understanding both of these stories, as we look at the testimonies of their faith, the faith of the shepherds, the faith of Simeon, and the faith of Anna, we ought to treasure these stories in our hearts and ponder them throughout the day as we consider in our own life what it means to really have faith in God. Here, Mary is the example for us, tying these stories together as she demonstrated what it truly means to have faith. What was it that made Mary blessed? We saw this in the previous study in Advent, looking at Mary's story in her announcement, as well as the Magnificat. 
And a statement made in Luke chapter 9, when a woman comes up to Jesus and says, blessed is your mother, essentially. And Jesus responds by saying, no, blessed are those who hear the word of God and do it. That is the story of Mary here. She pondered these things in her heart. She stored up and treasured these truths in her heart. And that is what we're doing. We're hearing the word of God. And now it is the time for application to go and do it. What do we learn from the stories of the shepherds, the story of Simeon, and the story of Anna? That when we have faith and trust in God, that God rewards those who diligently seek him. If we want to be blessed, if we want to be great, if we want to be rewarded as we see Simeon and Anna, then we must trust in God and count his promises as true. And those promises ought to dictate how we are living in this life. Some great truths here in Luke chapter 2. I hope that they have been a blessing to you. And as you go and reread them and revisit these stories, I hope they continue to store up treasures in your heart and help you to ponder and meditate on the Word of God. If we've been able to bless you, let us know. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime, we want to thank you for listening and wish you a happy new year. I hope that you'll stay with us throughout this new year up and coming. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse for this series, Luke 2, 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. <laughs>